Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christopherson, Michael Brunts here on a Thursday. Two days away from Nebraska, kicking things off against Minnesota at 11 a.m., probably on FS1. I think our good friends, uh, Robert Smith and the other guy whose name I can't remember, are returning to call this game, if I have that correctly. Uh, and, and that doesn't affect either of our two heroes, Michael Brunts, Brian Christopherson. They'll be at the stadium, but for the rest of us who have to listen, it's going to be rough again on Saturday. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, this game, this game has, you know, it's the last game of the season. Nebraska's coming off of a win. They have a chance to go three and four in the regular season. We'll see how many games they get to play after that. It feels like there is a, a not a, a lot riding on this game, but it does feel like there's there's some hope from the fan base riding on this game. It feels, you know, to use the, the phrase that Scott Frost did, unfortunately, against Purdue, and it didn't go to fruition in 2018, this feels like a gettable game for Nebraska. It feels like one that you got a Minnesota team that's coming off of uh, some, some COVID issues that isn't going to have its full compartment of players that already had a major opt-out in Rashad Bateman. It just seems like this is the, the time – where Nebraska needs to, to see an ailing team and, if you will, put it out of its misery. Is that fair? Yep. <clears throat> I mean, it's a game you got to have. And then, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a very real possibility to go on a run here and get to four and four heading into Christmas. But you got you to take first things first. Um, and you got to treat this game, no matter what Minnesota's situation is and no matter how many guys are out, Nebraska can't really worry about that. They have to treat Minnesota like they're a full-strength team and uh, like Minnesota's going to come in with uh, a chip on its shoulder. And, you know, sometimes teams that have situations that are rough like that, they play pretty loose because everybody sort of expects them to get uh, taken to the woodshed. And so, I don't know, sometimes that's a dangerous spot for for a favorite. You can't buy into that at all. Well, uh, Nebraska just hasn't done enough this year to, to, to really sort of rely on reputation alone that they're just going to handle their business on Saturday. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, it, Nebraska's kind of back in a situation that they had after the Penn State game where it's how do you get focused enough to build wins and continue to build habits that – are going to allow you to take a step forward as a program. I mean, it's, it's not a – this would not be a program-changing program win by any means if you're in Nebraska. But what it means, I think, for just belief and kind of the direction of things, of, of guy, young guys kind of getting that taste of winning and what it takes to do that week after week, I think it's important. And particularly so when just a couple of weeks ago you had a really good example of – what happens when you don't show up for a game, when you don't prepare for a game, when you maybe undervalue an opponent uh, as well? I mean, you know, Nebraska opened as a double-digit favorite over Minnesota. They were a double-digit favorite over Illinois as well. So we'll, we'll see what they've learned. I mean, I think it's a, it's a test for this program, not only for the players, but also for the coaches with how you – coach discipline, how you keep focus and in a season that frankly is kind of dragging on. I mean, we're, we're in the middle of December almost here and there's still the potential for three more football games. So you've got to 
dial in here. And, and even though Minnesota is limited, you, you really have no idea who they're going to have or who they're not for this game. But Nebraska has got to take care of its own business. And that's been the challenge for this program for so long. Do, do either of you guys kind of subscribe to what I feel like is a little bit of a growing belief that Nebraska uh, has, has kind of turned things forward, starting with that Iowa game on offense, where it, it seems like they at least have a better understanding of their own limitations of what's working, what isn't working. You could point at the statistics and certainly the points scored, uh, but the statistics of Adrian Martinez, they haven't really turned the ball over. I mean, they had that one fumble against uh, Iowa that at the end of the game, they need to score and, and Matt Farniak gets beat and there's Adrian Martinez and not a whole lot you could do about it. But do you feel like they've, they've kind of turned a corner from where they were at uh, earlier this year, where it just felt like such a struggle to even get, you know, successive first downs? Yeah, I, I think they're uh, making progress. And that's really what this week's about. It's about kind of confirming like, yeah, this is, this is heading in a positive direction the last few weeks. Um, and then you can say the, maybe you look back and you say the Illinois, Illinois game was an outlier, uh, but you have to put a solid performance together to prove that. Um, this is a game, let's be frank, the offensive line in Nebraska's running attack, uh, they need to own the day. It's going to be bad weather probably, or it could be. And uh, you're going against a defense that gives up nine yards per rush. You just have to, uh, you have to be able to get stuff done up front, not put that much stress on Adrian Martinez. I think that's one of the biggest differences, though, Mike, to your, what you're thinking in your question is that I feel like at the quarterback spot, um, there's been a comfort there in the way Martinez has played that I didn't necessarily feel early in the season. Um, now, granted, one of those opponents was Ohio State and the other was a very good defense in Northwestern. But I feel like Martinez has really settled in where he just – it's like he's, uh, he's not about to force the issue right now. Uh, he's realizing he has a best friend in Wandale that can if, – if it's third down and eight and you slip an underneath pass to Wandale, there's probably more than a 50% chance a guy like that can go scoot and get you a first down. And so I think, I think a big part of this is just Martinez the last couple of weeks – and the growth that he's taken. If he plays well again, Nebraska wins. That's it's as simple as that to me. What do you think, Brooks? Yeah, I mean, I kind of going off of what BC said. I mean, and I guess maybe kind of tying that back to my point earlier. I mean, if if you get another solid game from Adrian Martinez, I, I think it also really kind of changes the perception of of where things are at for this team going into the off season. I mean, I a couple of weeks ago, you probably would have said, you know, Nebraska doesn't have, doesn't have a quarterback that you can really rely on right now. And I mean, that that's a, that's not a good place to be. And I, I think you have to give Adrian a lot of credit for the way that they bounced back, the way he's bounced back from being benched. I think that Nebraska has found ways to highlight um, some throws that he can make. I think he's also playing more confidently. I mean, you just see the way that he's, trying to get the ball downfield a little bit more. You're not seeing the hesitancy um, that, that you saw in some of those early games. And I, I think that's a, a good thing. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, this game sets up for another kind of building block for the Nebraska offense, especially if they can get the running back run game uh, involved here. And, you know, that that's, to me, everything just comes back to, this game is a lot more about Nebraska than it is about Minnesota and can Nebraska play 
consistent football for a third straight game. I mean, they, they, they had some struggles against Iowa, but I, I think they played especially defensively well enough to win. They certainly did against Purdue. Uh, can they do it against the Minnesota team that, um, you know, has some offensive firepower still can run the ball. That's where I'm at with this team right now is, is can they kind of make that, that, that next small step in progression of, of being a better football team? We saw in 2018, Nebraska finished off its season four and two in their final six games. And, and they, they finished four and eight overall after such an ugly start. Do you sort of envision that, that Nebraska is on that sort of trend right now where it's, they had to get through different seasons in in entirely different ways, but they, they kind of had to find themselves a little bit and then now they can, they can kind of build off of it and move forward. And this game represents another building block, perhaps a crossover could be another building block. And then if there is a bowl game uh, that could be really valuable for a program like Nebraska that has missed bowl games in the past, but just getting an extra game in this season, getting that, you know, eighth and ninth game, there's just a lot of program value there. Do you, do you kind of, do you get the sense and this, this kind of follows up that, that similar question I had asked BC um, and, and Brunts earlier, but do you, do you get the sense that this is a real building opportunity, just the program right now, but also towards the future with some of those younger guys who just need reps? Yeah, I mean, I think Eric Shenander made a fair point, and I know some people want to roll their eyes about it, but this is a program that desperately needed spring ball. They needed a normal camp, and they needed those practices for, you know, guys like in the case of Xavier Betts, he wouldn't have been here in the spring, but you know, in fall camp, like a normal fall, normal summer for a guy like that would have been monumental. And it just wasn't there. And so Shenander was saying the other day, you know, with, without that, those spring practices, without the bowl practices last year, which were their own fault, they could have made a bowl game and taken care of that situation, but they didn't. Um, they had a lot of catch up work to do. And I feel like the first, month of this season in the games we were kind of watching that unfold before our eyes where we would see some promise in certain things but we would also see that this was a very much a team just trying to get the ground under its feet and at certain places with certain players and I do believe that they are sort of rounding into that rounding that corner now with some guys uh, where it feels like they've now had some practices and they actually know what they're doing a little bit um, that said, you can give all that away uh, by laying a clunker on the field Saturday or, you know, if you play Rutgers next week, which it sounds like it could be Rutgers, um, you know, that, uh, that a, a bad performance can really sour everything. We, we saw how quickly the Illinois game soured the, the kind of the whole thing on this season for a while at least. Um, if they had played well against Illinois – we'd be looking at things probably a lot differently, honestly, and have a different tone in our voice talking about this team. That's how much these games matter, especially when the sample size is so small. Yeah, that's a great point. Brunt? Yeah, I, I don't know that I could really add much more to what BC said. I mean, I, I think that's a, a pretty fair summation of, of where things are at. And, and it, is, it is interesting how – how much one game can kind of change the narrative of things. Like I totally agree. I mean, if you, if you go out and take care of business against Illinois at home, um, you know, the, the narrative is probably a little bit different right now, but I mean, that that's, 
that's the challenge for this program is, is how do you keep those types of games from happening? I mean, it, this season has been unique. You've got, it feels like every damn team in the big 10 has got two wins, but 10 of them do. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that's kind of where they're at right now. And it, it feels like it's trending in the right direction, but you need the results to back it up too. Cause I mean, this is a, this is a, a results oriented business, unfortunately, or fortunately, I, I guess. I feel like people in Nebraska are following the results, maybe even closer this fall than some other places during this pandemic season. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I think because of the recent troubles winning games, people are so desperate for good reason to see winning football. Um, they're taking it hard, even though this is a bizarre season that's almost at times feels a little bit exhibition-like. Um, like, for example, Penn State has a bad record right now. And I'm not saying they're jumping up and down or whatever, but I, I don't – my sense isn't that Penn State fans are losing their minds over this year. And I think there's some people who are kind of like, ah, eh, it was a weird year, let's move on. But because of the past two years and the results at Nebraska, three years um, – it's become to that point where, come on, give us something. Give us something to feel good about. So I do think it's almost been a little more intense around here than maybe some other spots in the country during this season. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely fair. I think that's definitely fair. All right, let's, let's take a time out from, from football. We've got – it was supposed to be a pretty interesting, potentially big week for Nebraska basketball. They lost the game on Sunday to COVID issues. Wednesday, they dropped one to Georgia Tech. And then Friday, they've got Creighton. And, and we know that that one is going to be a heck of a challenge. So we're going to check in with fronts and, and see what's going on with the basketball team next when we come back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Brunts, what the hell happened on Wednesday at home against Georgia Tech? How's that for a question? That's a good lead-in. I mean, I, I think what you saw was, you know, Nebraska fighting foul trouble. They, you know, for the first time, I think you saw a group that played good basketball for, say, 32, 33 minutes of that game and then just kind of had the, the bottom fall out on them. And – you know, a few mistakes here, a few mistakes there. And for the first time, you, you saw Nebraska look like a team this year, I think, that is made up of a bunch of guys still learning to, to play with each other. They, they splintered a little bit. And, you know, the, the, the offense kind of 
went into a shell a little bit. You saw guys hoisting shots that, that maybe shouldn't have been hoisted. Um, and you saw Georgia Tech make the, the small hustle plays, the 50-50 balls on offensive rebounds that they, they weren't getting earlier in the game. And that's how, you know, you, you, you go from winning by two to quickly trailing double digits. So it was probably a, a bit of a wake-up game uh, for Nebraska. I think I think the, the Nevada game you could probably chalk up to going nine for uh, 41 from three-point range, but not uh, not the kind of game that, that you were probably hoping for coming off of an eight-game layoff or eight-day layoff if you're Fred Hoiberg and the staff. And to kind of compound that, you have a really short prep for a – top 10 Creighton team that lost by one point on the road this week at, at Allen Fieldhouse. So that's where we're at. How do you reset the deck? And, and we can get into this a little bit. I'm curious, you guys obviously watch a lot of Nebraska basketball. What do you guys make of the rotation that they're running right now? It, it seems like, you know, they're basically playing eight guys. They don't have Derek Walker, Eduardo Andre for a few more weeks. Um, do you think that Nebraska has the, the juice in those eight guys to compete night in and night out in the Big Ten until they get Derek Walker back in, in the third week of January right now? Not if they're shooting at 29% or whatever from three. And so that's that's just where it gets really difficult, right? So um, I, I think that they – like I, I think that those individual pieces, all of them have, bring something to the table. Um, for them a little bit you know trying to match up those minutes is going to be dependent on which guy is giving you scoring options and when Teddy Allen goes four of 16 and Delano Banton six of 15 Trey McGowan's two of nine and then you have Latman who I think it only took what like three shots yesterday or he something five. he had five yeah and and so some of it to me becomes you know offensive usage but if if Lat is a little bit down on his shooting um then he's just not going to uh, go out there and, and let it rip. And so I think that they have some nice pieces. It's not cohesive to the point where it, it probably sets up exactly as what Hoiberg wants for them to look like on either side, uh, offense or defense. But, I, you know, they, they're going to have individual moments where some of those guys can carry them over the finish line. But they needed – they got a great game out of Kobe Webster on, on Wednesday. They needed someone else, whether it was one of those other three guys. You can't have all three of them off or, or lat, you know, barely participating on, on the offensive side of things. Like, it's just – you got to have two or more in a night, and it, that's just kind of how it felt. Like, they're just the, – the shots weren't falling, and, and then they, they couldn't get it from anybody but Webster. And he was playing really well. And so, I, I – like his role off the bench I think that there's been uh, some people wonder if, if maybe you know Thor isn't providing enough to, to justify the amount of minutes that he's playing but you gotta you gotta get minutes out of these guys because they're not deep enough like there's nobody after after Ivan you know like there's I don't think there's a ninth man if you will so um, I, I don't think they're gonna have a ton of success against what just increasingly looks like the best Big Ten conference that we've seen since Nebraska has been in it. Do you think that's fair, Brooks? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I always try really hard to not make too much out of, like, the early season Big Ten ACC challenge and those types of things. But, I mean, you look around at what happened in some of those games. I mean, 
Iowa gets a, a, a fairly average game or a poor game, really, from Luca Garza. They still beat North Carolina pretty handily. Penn State goes on the road and, and just blows the doors off of Virginia Tech, who is undefeated to that point. Illinois has got NBA guys all over their roster. Uh, you know, Wisconsin's going to be Wisconsin. I mean, the, there's just so much talent in the Big Ten and so little of it went, went to the NBA after last season that, you know, it, it really is going to take Nebraska, I think, to have to be – they're going to have to shoot a lot better from the outside. There's no question about that. You're going to have to get more out of your defense. I mean, I, I, you look at what kind of happened last night. I mean, Georgia Tech didn't really turn the ball over, and Nebraska wasn't getting the – yeah, I mean, they, they weren't getting the easy runouts and transition opportunities that they got in the first four games. So, you know, if you're not getting those, you're going to have to knock down some shots. And, you know, I, I think there's enough talent in the Big Ten that they can kind of push back against pace with talent. So, uh, you know, to me, the biggest thing is, is you've got to find ways to get Teddy Allen going from the outside. You've got to get Lat knocking down some threes from the outside to, to kind of keep teams from just packing the lane and, and keeping it from the rim. Hey, Bruins, how tough do you think it is? Because you've been in the arena, you know, for this team. Both teams face the same situation. But one thing Nebraska, even though they haven't always used it to their advantage, has going for it is this fan base is really stuck with the program as far as going to the games. And, you know, like last night, uh, had it been a normal environment, um, there would have been, you know, 11,000 people at that game. And uh, they would have made some noise and there would have been energy and stuff like that. And watching it from afar, it just feels kind of sleepy, you know, like it, 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 you sort of have to create it yourself. And then Nebraska, I thought, was lax with the ball in the first half. And uh, it, it sort of comes off like uninspired, but maybe it's just a product of the environment where you're playing in sort of a stale setting, you know? That's part of it. I mean, I, I think that's what I'm curious to, to know. And maybe, you know, once we get a little bit further through uh, the season, you know, whenever things are kind of going south for a team it, during a game, I mean, you, you need, you need somebody that can get you a bucket. You need somebody that's a loud voice in a huddle to kind of keep everybody dialed in. And I don't know if that's Kobe Webster. He was the guy that supposedly in the locker room was really kind of trying to keep everybody going on the same page and, and whatnot. But, you know, when you're in an empty arena, when you're, you know, things are kind of going against you, who's that voice that, that's kind of keeping everything going in the same direction? It's got to, to me, it's got to be somebody on your team, not, not the coach to do that. And that's where I think we're having guys who are still trying to figure things out, guys that are coming in from different places and, and playing together for the first time, you, you kind of need to figure those things out in games. And I, I don't know that they necessarily have that guy right now. And I agree. I mean, you know, PBA is such an advantage, especially when you get hit in a couple shots, um, you know, probably last night, right before they went into the locker room, Nebraska knocks down two quick three-pointers to get it back to two. The place probably would have been rocking a little bit. And then you have Teddy Allen, you know, score six of the first eight um, right out of the gates in the second half. You don't really have that kind of momentum either. So you have to create the energy. You have to sustain it. I think for the most part, Nebraska's done a pretty good job of that. But last night was really the first time where 
when, when Georgia Tech and, and Alvarado started kind of taking over that game, Nebraska just had no answer. And they're going to have to figure out a way to do that because it, uh, I think it's concerning the way that that game kind of flipped on them last night. Yeah, I felt like they gave away the game in the first half in a way. I mean, I know it was tied with eight minutes left, so you could say that's, that's stupid. But I thought when they got to that point, I had a bad feeling like, okay, Georgia Tech has stayed right there, and now you know they hit a couple shots. This is going to be tough. Um, and I felt like Nebraska just gave away possessions in the first half. You know, and It could have been a half where you're up six, seven points if you had valued the ball a little bit better, and it didn't feel like they did. Well, a lot of them were kind of unforced turnovers, too. I mean, there were, there were lazy passes, um, you know, guys just having the ball go off their hands and out of bounds, uh, careless plays like that, that, you know, you, you would hope uh, that after not playing for eight days, you would be a little bit more ready to go, especially with, a, you know, a, a team that's a high major opponent and then frankly kind of kicked your butt the year before. So uh, that, that's, that's not ideal, but, um, you know, they're going to get – a pretty tall test early early in the game on, on Friday against Creighton, a team that can really knock down shots from the outside. I mean, this might be one benefit to not having a crowd in the stands is, you know, it seems like every time Nebraska plays in Omaha, Creighton comes out just guns blazing. And they're going to be ready to go in this game. This, this game always means a ton to Creighton. McDermott always has his guys kind of, kind of worked into a lather, it almost seems like. Uh, at the tip. So um, Nebraska is going to have to get right quickly or else it could get ugly on Friday night, I think. All right. Any, uh, any closing thoughts here? None from me. No more that, thoughts from BC. I that that my was case. my closing thought. It could get, uh, get ugly if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> that so is good advice. All walks of life right there from Michael Brunts. Uh, good stuff. Uh, be sure to check out Husker 24-7. we got plenty of coverage. The aforementioned Nebraska-Creighton game. Of course, Nebraska-Minnesota. The hype cast will return on Friday. We've got our special guests locked and loaded for that. And we will be back, of course, with the hype cast. But also, we'll do our podcast after the Minnesota game and break down everything that happens there as well. So stick around and be sure to follow everything we got going on at Husker 24-7. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.